Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome back to Your Colts Commute, where we break down the most recent Colts news in a digestible format to keep you up to date on what's going on in Colts land. The Colts made some roster moves this week. They were awarded two cornerbacks off waivers Tuesday. Tarkarius Keys, waived by Kansas City, and Chris Wilcox, waived by Tampa Bay. Keys was a 7th round pick of the Chiefs in 2020, and Wilcox a 7th round pick by the Bucks in the April draft. Marvell Tell and Andre Chacheri were waived to accommodate the moves. The Colts have finalized their 16-man practice squad. Uh, the practice squad consists of Tariq Black at wide receiver, Curtis Bolton at linebacker, Andrew Brown at defensive tackle, Anthony Chesley at cornerback, Cameron Klein at defensive end, Sean Davis at safety, the other Sean Davis at safety, that won't be confusing at all, Farad Green at tight end, DeMichael Harris at wide receiver, Brett Hundley at quarterback, Joey Hunt at center, Deion Jackson at running back, Malik Jefferson at linebacker, Carter O'Donnell at tackle, Tyler Vaughns at wide receiver, and former Houston's Houston Texans wide receiver and Colts killer Kiki QT at wide receiver. So some interesting guys on that list, definitely filling out that practice squad nicely. The Colts have talked about how much they like to use the practice squad. We can anticipate they will definitely lean heavily on it as the season gets underway with COVID considerations and with normal injuries and the addition of an additional game. The Colts are certainly going to tap into that practice squad and several talented players there. That's likely to change in the coming days as well as other players are potentially released. Colts general manager Chris Ballard sat down with the media on Tuesday and had quite a few things to say on the impact of COVID-19 on the roster and on the locker room leaders not being vaccinated. Ballard said, quote, Look, it's a fair question. Those are fair questions you're asking. We've got to make sure we have enough depth. That's critical. We have to make sure we have have it covered at every position. These guys have chosen to not be vaccinated. They've got to follow the protocols to a T, to a T, because there's consequences while not being vaccinated. We talked about this last time. Do I think everybody should be vaccinated? Absolutely, I do. I'm for the vaccine. Frank Reich is for the vaccine. We have a lot of guys on our team that are for the vaccine, and I want to make sure that people understand that around our community, that this is a good thing, end quote. Ballard declined to provide a percentage of players who were vaccinated, but said the percentage did not go up after cuts had been made. On T.Y. Hilton, Ballard said, quote, we're going to put him on IR. He'll be on the regular injured reserve. He'll be back. The surgery went well. He's got a ton of relief. He feels better. One thing I know about T.Y. Hilton, he's a pretty quick healer, and I think he will be back whenever he's ready to go. But I think it's always sooner than later with him, end quote. Obviously, Hilton had a neck surgery and uh, anything can happen there, so remains to be seen, but it seems like Ballard is 
optimistic about his ability to return. As far as Carson Wentz being able to play in week one, Ballard said this, quote, He's making really good progress. He's out right now, so this week was he was going to start getting 11-on-11 work, but when he gets back, we'll move or we'll continue to monitor where he's at, but he's making really good progress, end quote. Obviously, this week being out because of COVID hurt Wentz's progress, but hopefully they have enough time to get him back. Uh, expect to see some rust in the first game with Wentz on the field if he's even able to make it back for Seattle because he hasn't really practiced significantly with this team and has some has some ground to make up. On Eric Fisher's progress toward returning, Ballard said, quote, I won't give you an exact timetable, but if we really like the progress he's made, and when he gets back out here, we'll kind of monitor it and go from there, end quote. Obviously, Eric Fisher has been progressing quickly, seems to be ahead of the timetable that he was expected to return on, but he is returning from an Achilles tear, so they're definitely likely to err on the side of caution. Julian Blackman is currently the starting left tackle in his absence and will slot into the swing tackle position when Fisher returns to the roster. On Sam Ellinger... He said, quote, yeah, we've got a couple more that we're still making. Sam Ellinger will go to IR, and we're still monitoring. I'll get an update when I get out of here on Desmond Patman, end quote. Ballard also clarified that the Colts would carry three active quarterbacks during the regular season, and that would indicate that Brett Hundley or some other quarterback on another roster is likely to take up that third quarterback position because with Carson Wentz, uh, you know, potentially not able to start week one and also a potential COVID risk, there is the likelihood they'll need to carry someone else. And if Brett Hundley is not the guy, they're going to need to get someone on the team relatively quickly because Easton is basically the only healthy quarterback on the roster currently. On how Jacob Easton's improved this offseason, Ballard said, quote, I thought he made really good strides. I think y'all saw that too. Last year, not being able to get him any preseason work. And really, he's the third string quarterback. He was the third string quarterback, so minimal reps all year. But what he got was a PhD watching Philip Rivers play the game. When asked if he was comfortable with Eason as their backup, he didn't exactly glow, saying, quote, Yeah, I mean, that's who we've got, and laughed. That's who we got. That's who we're going with, end quote. If I'm Jacob Eason, I'm not viewing that as a glowing recommendation, but uh, it is, in fact, true, which is kind of Chris Ballard's thing. Asked about keeping 11 defensive linemen, Ballard said, quote, Because it's D-linemen and they're hard to find. I just want to make sure in the early season we don't go short there, end quote. They carried 11 defensive linemen, a lot for, even for the Colts, but it's undoubtedly the Colts' deepest position group. And he, he was asked about Ben Banigou specifically, somebody he challenged in the early uh, goings of the offseason to really step up. And he said, quote, good, much better, much better. It's fun when you watch a guy getting confidence. Ben, he cares and he's giving good effort. Then you've got to start having some success, and it's been fun to watch Ben compete. He plays hard. He's starting to gain some confidence. Ben is going to help us, end quote. Much more glowing than his statements about Jacob Eason. He clearly feels good about what Ben Bandigou's put on the field so far this offseason, and Ballard doesn't really pull punches, so that's very encouraging for a lot of Colts fans who really want, want to see Ben Bandigou make that turn. If he's able to be a menace and, and put together a four- or five-sack campaign, that's certainly a big jump from the progress that he was making in the previous seasons, where he was really uh, largely an unimpactful player and sometimes not even an active one on game day. So definitely encouraging there. The Colts are set to play their opening game of the season against the Seattle Seahawks Sunday, September 12th at 1 p.m. at Lucas Oil Stadium, which leaves really not a whole lot of time. We've got basically one more week of practices uh, to get things in line, before, one full week of practices to get things in line before the, that team kicks off. We'll see what they're made of with guys coming back off of COVID. Hypothetically, we'll have 
Uh, Carson Wentz was able to be back at practice this week, and hopefully we're going to start seeing some of these guys come back healthy and off of that COVID list in time for the season so that they're not scrambling to get on the same page as all of their counterparts. All right, guys, that's all we got for news today. Uh, If you would subscribe, follow the podcast. It's the Stampede Blue podcast feed. We have all kinds of good stuff coming out all the time. There was a a Stampede Radio episode that went up a couple days ago. We've got an episode of a a very stable podcast with Stephen Reed that came out yesterday. Keep an eye on the podcast feed. There's always new stuff coming up, and uh, we want to keep you as up-to-date as we can on Colts news. Check out Stampede Blue for your actual Colts written content. Definitely a great place to go there to to check out all your Colts information. And uh, subscribe to the podcast and rate and review it. It helps us get more, more traffic, helps us get better publicity, and it helps us also know that we're doing something right. So uh, keep, us, keep us updated there. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Blystone and interact with me there. I always appreciate people um, letting me know what they think about, about the podcast or, or any of the Colts coverage uh, that I'm a part of there. So until then, guys, we will catch you tomorrow. I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.